0: Thank you to listening to our podcast today. My name is George, pastor of Tuolumne Community Baptist Church here in Tuolumne, California. Today our message is entitled, The Principle of Love, which is the sixth commandment in God's top 10, um, which is, Thou shalt not murder. It's an interesting study. Uh, Please, if you're driving, sit back and listen. If you're at home, go grab your Bible and follow along as you listen to the Word of God. God bless. We'll get started with the podcast in just a couple of seconds. Praise God, so it is rolling. We are Ben a sermon series called God's Top Ten. We are in sermon number six. Are you guys ready for this one? I'm really not looking forward to next week. But let's just concentrate on this week. We'll just do this week's, and we'll see where the Lord takes us for next week. i got to go up here and get my glasses. I know I didn't. I knew I'd forget something. But the message this week, I've entitled it, Sermon number six on God's top ten, The Principle of Love. And you go, oh, wait a minute. The sixth commandment, Exodus 20:13, four words, You shall not murder. You shall not murder. Pastor, you entitled this the principle of love. And I say to that, yes, amen. In the King James Version, it actually uses the word kill. You shall not kill. But please understand, both translations mean the very same thing. You shall not deliberately kill someone out of rage, anger, or hatred, It's not referring to law enforcement killing or or our our blessed men and women who have fought for our rights to be free. It's not talking about that type of killing. It's talking about a judicial uh, law that is killing in malice and killing intentionally. Here are some types of murder that are described in the Bible. Premeditated murder. Murder with intentional murder and intentional act. A spur of the moment, or volunteer homicide, a form of manslaughter. The Bible talks about manslaughter, involuntary manslaughter, a less culpable form of manslaughter, such as you know a driver maybe hitting a, a jaywalker and and not intending but kills somebody. All these things are talked about in the Bible. So you say, well, Pastor, why are you calling this the principle of love? Well, simply because. Love is the opposite of where we're going today, of what we're going to be talking about. I have told you before, in these top ten, we're looking for the purpose, the principle, behind each of the commandments. What is it that God's really trying to teach us and tell us? I mean, think about it. I'm not worried about any one of you committing murder any time in your lifetime. I'm really not. So what is God... What's the principle? What's the point? Thou shalt not murder. And yet we know that most people never encounter this. Well, there is a reason behind it, and the purpose is our relationship with God, and more importantly, our relationship with one another. There's a path that leads to murder. Most of us will never get far enough down that path to commit murder, but the time that we've lost... The hurt feelings, the hurt or destroyed relationships that go throughout our life are so valuable. And they can be avoided because God loves us so much that he put this in his top ten. That he wanted us to see this path that potentially could go down that road. So, first Bible scripture is 1 John 3.15. You'll see it on the screen. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Did you catch that? Whoever hates his brother. Whoever hates his brother. That that is profound. Romans 13, 9 says, For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet, and if there are any other commandment, are all summed up in this, saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. This is why I've called this the principle of love. Because we should love our neighbor as ourselves. So point number one, and by the way, just so you know, I don't want to freak you out, we've got lots of time, but I've got five points this Sunday. Five, okay? I've done myself. I usually only have three but this time I have five, but don't worry, I'll get you out of here. Plenty of time to make it to Percos before all those other Christians do. <laughs> Point number one. Hate precedes murder. Did you hear that? Hate comes before murder. You have to understand that hate is the, per- is the reason why we would murder. Look at Genesis 37, 4 through 5. Well, when his brothers had saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. This is talking about Joseph. I should have set it up a little bit. This is Joseph of old. Remember Joseph, the coat of many colors? The father loved Joseph more. He was was the child of, of the father's old age, and all the other brothers were jealous. And the father gave Joseph this coat of many colors. And the brothers were just so resentful. And they just absolutely, the Bible tells us, That they hated him. Because they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers. That was his first mistake. And they hated him even more. So Genesis 37, 18 says, Now when they saw him from afar off, they could tell who it was. He's wearing that fancy coat. Even before he came near, they conspired against him to kill him. So you can see that the hatred that they had was it was taking them down a path that they should never have been on. Deuteronomy nineteen eleven through twelve says, "But if anyone hates his neighbor, lies in wait for him, rises against him and strikes him mortally so that he dies, and he flees to one of these cities, then the elders of the, of his city." will send and bring him from there and deliver him over to the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. Corporal punishment, capital punishment is what the Bible's talking about. Joshua 20 verse 5 says, Then the avenger of blood pursues him that they shall not deliver the slayer into his hand because he struck his neighbor unintentionally. And did not hate him beforehand. Do you see how their investigation would work? If you, asked, if you killed somebody, the first thing they'd do is they'd tell them, how do you feel about that guy? And they would ask other neighbors and they'd say, oh, that guy hated him. He hated him. That was going to be what's going to prove him guilty. And then they'd ask, in this case, where he was unintentionally killed somebody, the first thing they ask, did you have any problems with your neighbor? Did you hate him? Did you dislike him? Was there anything going on? Point number two, anger precedes hate. I want you to see this path that we're going. I'm going to take you down a path that we all have to see because we're all capable of this. We all get angry. How many has ever known anybody that, that intentionally or unintentionally just tends to blow up? Don't, don't, don't nudge your neighbor. You know, Or, or maybe it's better how many of you... Just out of nowhere, you don't understand something hits you wrong and you just blow up. I can tell you why. There's unresolved anger in your life. It's kind of like a pot full of water. You can put it on the stove and when it begins to boil, it's going to boil right out of that pot. But what if there's no water in the pot? Oops. It doesn't boil because there's nothing there to boil. Which means if you have unresolved anger issues in your life, we need to deal with those things. It's very important that we understand that there's reasons why we respond. There's reasons why we react. And they can be healed. They can be taken care of. Genesis 3, 4. This is going to talk about the very first murder of time. You guys remember the story of Cain and Abel? Mm -hmm. The very first recorded murder. Genesis 4, 3. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering... Of the fruit of, his, of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock. You need to notice that it says the first. The firstborn of the flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering. But he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was angry. And his countenance fell. I know we're talking about Cain and Abel, but have you ever been there? Where you just simply have gotten angry and your countenance falls and you start thinking about yourself and what may be going on in your mind. Genesis 4.8 says, Now Cain talked to Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel and killed his brother. Cain was offended at God and he was offended at his brother. This is the first recording of murder in the history of time. And there's a clear path that, that Cain was on and it fueled the offense that turned into anger and then it turned into hatred. And inevitably he killed him. He killed his brother. Well, pastor, what does this have to do with me? Why? Well, why? well, God's going to put it in there. He said, thou shalt not murder. So he wants us to look at this path. He wants us to see the principle that's behind it. By point number three, an offense precedes anger. Before you get angry, somebody has to offend you. That's what it's all about. Matthew 24.10, he says, And then many were offended, will betray one another, And will hate one another. This was Matthew 24 where Jesus was talking about end times. Many will be offended. And they will betray one another. Do you see much of that going on in our society today? (laughs) Man. Mark 6, 2 and 3. It's very interesting that this scripture comes up again. I used this scripture last week, Pastor. I had this very scripture, and I had no idea that I was going to need it again this week. So you're going to get it again. Because we're going to look at a particular word here. And when the Sabbath had come, he, Jesus, began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, and let me stop right there, this astonished does not mean a good thing. They weren't like, wow that Jesus is amazing no it wasn't that at all i'm going to tell you in just a minute what that word really means where did this man get these things and what wisdom is this which is given him that such mighty works are performed by his hands is this not the carpenter you know the guy that built my porch he was wearing a tool belt isn't this just him, Jesus? Who does he think he is? Do you know what was going on here? They were jealous. He had an incredible following. He had people. I mean, when he went into the synagogue, the synagogue all of a sudden filled up. People were following him. People were praising his name. People were, and, and these guys, his own family, his own town, they were jealous. And they said, this guy's just a carpenter. He's, he's the guy that built my porch. He's the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joes, Judas, and Simon. Are not his sisters right here with us? So they were offended at him. Now let's go back to this word astonished. It's not what you think it is. I can't even say the Greek word. I'm not even going to try. But it means to shun, to render senseless by a blow. They wanted to hit him. They, didn't, they were angry enough that they wanted to hit him. They wanted to do him harm. To strike, to expel by a blow, to drive away, to confound with some sudden emotion of anger enough to strike. The same story is in Luke 4.28. And it says, so all those in the synagogue, when they had heard these things, they were filled with wrath. It's the same word as the astonished. And rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the, the brow of the hill on which the city was built. That they might throw him down off the cliff. And I love this very, next, this very next verse. It says, Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. They had their hands on him. They were dragging him to the cliff and they were going to pitch him off the cliff. They were that angry at him. And yet how did he just... Walk through the crowd. That's God. I think he just vaporized, to be honest with you. I think he just and walked through the cloud. I mean, we don't know, but he, it, it wasn't his time. And the point that we're trying to see here is hate precedes murder, and anger precedes hate, and offense precedes anger. And we have to be so careful that this path that we get on, when we have somebody that hurts our feelings. Well then, what causes an offense? How about unfulfilled expectations? Unfulfilled expectations. Do you know that I can offend you? It'd be easy. Unfulfilled expectations. you think that I should do something that maybe it's better than anybody else or or whatever, and I just don't meet your expectations, guess what? It's going to make you angry. It's something I've said. Maybe it's nothing I've said. Maybe it's just because I haven't lost enough weight yet. You know, who knows what it is, but I haven't met your expectations, and from those unfulfilled expectations becomes anger or becomes an offense And that offense will eventually turn into anger. I want you to look at this next scripture, Luke 7, 18, 19. This is probably one of the most astounding scriptures in the Bible, and yet probably more profound than anything I can I can think of. When then his disciples of John reported to him, no, I'm sorry, I went too far. It's uh, Luke 4, 28. All these things... No, I'm in the wrong scripture again. Luke 7, 18 and 19. Then the disciples of John reported to him concerning these things. And John called two of his disciples to send to him. Send them to Jesus saying, Are you the coming one or do we look for another? This was your boy, John. John the Baptist. Understand, John's sitting in jail. Let's get a full picture here. He's sitting in jail in the very same town Jesus is there preaching and healing and delivering people in the very same town. And John asked the disciples, Does he know that I'm here? And, And they told John, Yeah, he knows you're here. How long has he been here? He's been here seven days. Seven days. And Jesus hadn't even had the decency to come and see John, his cousin. Remember when, uh, G- when John was in the womb and Mary came into the room and Jesus was in the womb, that the Holy Spirit filled John the Baptist inside the womb. And he leaped because Jesus came into the room. It was John the Baptist who pointed and said, here comes the Lamb of God. Here he comes, the one who's gonna take the sin of the world. And there was even another time where, where you know he told Jesus, You should be baptizing me, not me baptizing you. And then his disciples, you know, these lovely disciples said, Hey, John, do you know that Jesus down the street here? He's he's baptizing more people. His people are baptizing more people than you. And John said, I told you, he's the one. I have to decrease so that he can increase. He's the one. He knew who Jesus was. So what's happening here? He's sitting here in jail. And he says to his guys, he said, go ask Jesus. Are you the coming one or do I look for another? Can you see the frustration in that? Can you see the unfulfilled expectations that John had on Jesus. I mean, he expected Jesus at least to come visit him. If nothing better, he could have got him out. He's the Son of God. Right? He could have got him out of jail. So John was upset. Then let's look at Luke 7:20. When the men came to him, Jesus, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you, saying, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? I want you to notice Jesus didn't answer him immediately. In that very hour, he cured many affirmities, afflictions, and evil spirits, and to many blind he gave sight. Then in verse 22, he says, Jesus then answered and said to them, Go tell John the things you have seen and heard. That the blind see, the lame walk, and the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. But then the most profound one is in the very next verse. And he said, And blessed is he, who is not offended because of me. Wow. Blessed is he who is not offended because of Jesus. We need to really pay attention to this because, see, so many times things come up in the church. Nobody here has ever been offended by anybody in the church, right? Right? I hear a few laughs, so I guess that that was a little bit of sarcasm. That was sarcasm, folks. Yes, we get offended at the church. There are people in the church that say things and do things. Why? Because they're people. The church would be a perfect, a wonderful place if it wasn't for the people. It's the people that mess it all up. Can I get an amen? amen? Because we mess it up. People offend people. And we need to stop and think about the road that we're on and the offense that we're about to take in. Because eventually, if you stay offended and you don't decide not to forgive that person, that offense is going to turn to anger. Not that anger will turn into hatred. And pretty soon, you're, you're just absolutely hating that person. Now, granted, we probably won't go kill that person, but you know what you'll do? You'll leave the church. You'll leave the place that you're being fed. You'll leave the place where you're a blessing to others. All because of an offense. All because you weren't willing to go talk to somebody and say, listen, brother, you offended me in this situation. You know, that's the one thing that I loved about Pastor I was Pastor Roy's pastor for about seven years. And I loved him so much because he was never afraid to say to me, Pastor, I think you missed it. You remember? <laughs> yeah, you go like that. He came to me once and he said, I think you missed it. And I said, missed what? And he said, that scripture you said, I, I don't think that was the meaning that was intended. And I said, let's get together and let's bring our Bibles and let's figure it out. And we had a blast figuring it out. I think I was right, but I didn't tell him that. <laughs> no, it's like, that's what you're supposed to do. Don't get offended. You come to the guy who's talking and say, I think you may have missed that. I, I think there, there may be something more or something less. Or let's talk about it. Don't, don't allow offenses to fester up into something that, that you don't want. And it will wind up, it's like that, that pot of water. You know, you're angry at me now and you you never really got over it, but you know, you just kind of slid it aside and then later on, I do something that really ticks you off and it just blows up. And you chew me out for something I don't even know which. Or or somebody. It doesn't have to be me. Because they're unresolved. We have to be careful. This is the principle behind thou shalt not murder is we have to look at the path and see how we get From here to there I'm so excited now I don't even know where I'm at So give me a second Sorry people listening to the podcast I'll get there Um, Okay I think I found my spot And Jesus said to them Go tell John the things You have seen and heard And they did And he said blessed is he who is not offended Because of me The definition of offend or offended or offense is to put a snare in a way to cause the stumble, to give offense that'll cause someone to stumble. A stepping stone, a stumbling stone can be put in your way because of an offense. And you have a choice to make. You can step over that stone. You can choose to forgive and realize we're all just stupid people, every one of us, and we do stupid things sometimes. Or what some people will do is they'll pick that stone up and they'll carry it around with them for 25 years, and all of a sudden, this person will come to me and say, look at this stone. This is what this pastor so-and-so did to me over there. How long have you been carrying that stone, 25 years? Are you kidding me? That's a lot of work carrying that offense around all that time. Why would we do that? Why not put the stone down? Why not forgive? Just totally forgive, but we don't. It's so interesting. In the Greek, this word offend. It's actually called a on. Scandal on. In the American, we take the word. What do we get? We get scandal. Everybody knows what scandal means. It's not far different from what they're talking about. Scandalon is the name of this word. This is so interesting. This is how a fowler in those days where they would try to catch the quail or catch, you know, wild turkey or whatever it is they were eating, they would use a very simple trap. One that when I was a kid, I used to use myself, proud to say. You ever get a little cardboard box and have a stick that you put on the cardboard box and in, under the box you put some bait, you know, for a bird or, or, or the cat? And, and you put it under there. And then you, then you tie a string onto that stick and you go around and hide under the bushes In case the cat, I mean the bird, doesn't knock the stick out, and you see it goes under there, you could pull it. You ever done that? It's literally it's the technology that they had in in these days. That's how they would catch birds for their food. And this little stick is called a scandalon. Tell me, that's not interesting. That little stick. That could cause you to fall into a trap is called a scandalon. A scandalon. You can look it up in, in, the, in the concordance. It's um, under the Strong's concordance, it's uh, number 4624. It's, it's so interesting. It could cause you to fall into a trap. Now, when you're so bold and you say, you know, Terry says, man, I like that George as long as he doesn't ever do this. Satan says, thanks, Terry. I'll use that scandal on. Because now you gave him a tool. Maybe you would say it about your, your wife or your husband. Well, as long as he never does this, I'll be okay. But if he ever does that, and Satan's saying, I can use that. And he'll set a trap up for your wife or your husband. That little scandal on. And you get into the trap that he said. And you start to wiggle around a little bit. And you knock to stick down. Guess what? You're in a snare. Proverbs 93 says, Surely he shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. It's not in there, so don't worry. From the snare of the fowler. If we didn't understand this, we'd say that scripture doesn't make any sense at all. But because we understand now what a scandal on is, it's that little stick that Satan is trying to use to set you up that you would fall into that snare. Do you realize the Bible calls someone a stumbling stone and a rock of offense? You know who that someone is? It's Jesus. He is a stumbling stone or a rock of offense. You can stumble over his words. You can stumble all around and say, you know what? He's just too one way, too close minded. Or you can build on the rock of salvation. You can build on that rock. And you can say, you know what? People are just people. Romans 9.33 says... Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. He's talking about Jesus. Jesus is the stumbling stone and the rock of offense. And we need to make a choice. Point number five. Love precedes unfulfilled expectations. Expectations. Love precedes unfulfilled expectations. Matthew 5, 43 says, You have heard that it said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you. You guys good at that? No. We need to get better, don't we? Amen. We need to get better. We need to bless those who curse us. And do good to those who actually hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, he sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. We're no different than anybody else, we're no different. When it rains, it rains on us too. So let me show you a story. And then I'm going to close this up. In Genesis. Jacob and Esau. You guys remember that one? Jacob stole his brother's birthrights. Genesis 27, 41 says, So Esau hated Jacob. Because of the blessing of which... His father blessed him, and Esau said in his heart that the days of mourning for my father are at hand. Then I will kill my brother Jacob when they're over. And Jacob ran. He ran because he knew what he had done. He did lie. It was a scandalous affair between him and his mother stealing the birthright of his brother so he ran i think it was probably 25 years or so before these two actually come together but look at genesis 33 1 through 4 it says now jacob lifted his eyes and looked and there esau was coming see because jacob had went back to his father's land years later and so there he was he was coming, and with him were 400 men. How would you feel, Pastor Roy? You knew your brother was aiming to kill you. And here he comes. You'd hid from him for 25 years. And here he comes with 400 men. You ain't getting away. You're <laughs> not getting away. So here he comes. And he divided his children among Leah and Rachel and the two maidservants and put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and the children behind and Rachel and Joseph, and they crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. His brother vowed to kill him. Verse 4, but Esau ran to meet him. And embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. What do you think happened? He had vowed to kill his brother. And here he is. He has perfect opportunity. Nobody would have held it against them, they wouldn't even have committed him for murder. He had a right. He forgave. He chose to forgive his brother. And their hearts both broke. Can you see it? Can you get the picture in your mind? Two brothers that have been apart for all these years. And when one's hated the other. The others lived in fear all of his life. And here they come together. And Esau throws his arms around him. And forgives him. It's profound. That's how powerful love is. But you see, here's the problem. Love is grace. Grace is free. But if you haven't received it, how can you give it? You have to receive his grace in order to be able to give grace. You see, if you're going through, if you're one of those Christians that thinks every time you do something wrong, you've got to do ten things better in order to get back in good with God, you're missing the whole concept. Jesus did it once and for all. And we accept his grace. And if you're one of those people that can't accept grace because you know who you are and you know the sin in your own life and you can't accept that free gift, guess what? You can't give it either somebody does you wrong, you're not going to forgive them. Because you haven't been forgiven. We have to understand that grace is the tool. Matthew 10, 6 through 8 says, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received Freely give. A person can't give if he hasn't received. And so many Christians, good Christian people, they don't understand this concept. They don't understand because they're still trying to work for their salvation. They can't get a grip on the concept that grace is free, that He died for our grace, He died for our sins. I want to take you back just for a minute. I see I got a few minutes to the story where Jesus and John, you know, and Jesus said, Go tell John the things you have seen. I've healed the sick. I've raised the dead. I've done all these things. These are proof that I am who I said. Go tell John the things you've seen. And then tell him not to be offended because of me. Do you know, it was only like two days later that John the Baptist got beheaded that the hand of protection was no longer upon him because he was offended. He was offended at God. Now, I'm not saying John John is, is mighty in heaven. But I believe, truly believe, his life was cut short on this earth because of that offense. And can you imagine how Jesus must have felt Jesus is out there and they fed the 5,000 and all the people are following. They wouldn't leave him because they were people without a shepherd. They needed food. They needed him. And Jesus sent his disciples out on the boat. you remember that? And all Jesus wanted to do was get up on the mountain and talk to God about this. Imagine how he must have been feeling. Jesus was all human. He had the same feelings that you and I have. And his cousin, his blood, was now dead because Jesus didn't go see him and because John was offended. Think about the reality and what Jesus was experiencing. And all he wanted to do was get alone. That's all he wanted to do. He told his disciples, get on the boat and go. And Jesus was wanting to get up on the mountain to get before God and say, God, how do I handle this? How do I deal with this? Every one of us have to ask God the same thing when terrible things happen In our own family. And Jesus was trying to get away and get out the mountain. And he turned and he seen all the people following him. Can you even imagine how he must have been hurting? The thoughts that must have been running through his mind. Thinking of his brother, his his cousin had just been beheaded. And then they were playing with his head on a platter. And what did he do? he turned and continued to heal the sick. He continued to pray for these people because his heart went out to him. He said, these people need me. I'm going to have to put my whole issue off with John here for a minute, Father. And I got to take care of these people. He did finally make it to the mountaintop and he did have his conversation with God. And later he walked across the sea and freaked his men out. Remember that? But I just want you to understand, our Lord and Savior experienced everything even more than what some of us will ever experience. And because of grace, He was willing to continue to heal the sick and raise the dead and, and heal the blind, and, and lepers would walk and were cleansed. And it was just amazing He continued on, even though He was in the midst of a storm that is beyond compare. And we sit here in modern day getting all offended at somebody in the church. Getting ourselves puffed up saying, I would never do anything like that. Ah, We better think a little bit about our offenses and realize that love precedes unfulfilled expectations. Love precedes unfulfilled expectations. An offense precedes anger, anger precedes hate, and hate precedes murder. Amen? Amen. Amen. Worship team, could I ask you guys to come back? be still recording, I'm not sure. <laughs> so, before they start to lead us in a little bit of worship before we go home, I would like you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I'd like you to ask Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me in this? What are you speaking to me? Father, I've heard everything that that the pastors had to say. And I know that God is wanting to speak to each and every one of you. And I want you to think about what it is that he's saying to you. Do you have any unfulfilled expectations on people in your lives that maybe has turned to I just don't like that person Unexpe- unfulfilled expectations is Satan's way of using that scandal on against us to trap us in a trap that sometimes we feel like we can't get out of, I can't forgive that person I can't forget what they've done to me but Jesus is telling us this morning it's time to forgive forgive It's time to take that scandal on away from Satan and say, you're not going to use this as a trap to trap me anymore. Heavenly Father, I pray for your people this morning. Last week we talked about loving our mother and father, honoring our mother and father, and there may be those in here who didn't have very honorable parents and maybe that's been a scandal on their whole lives that they haven't been able to forgive their parents maybe somebody at another church has offended somebody and now they feel in their heart that I just hate that place, I just hate those people Father speak to their hearts Let them know that this is the time to set that rock of offense down, just to put it down and say, I'm not going to have it anymore. I'm not going to live my life, not another day, feeling this pain. Bless your people in Jesus' name. So as we, we're going to worship one more song before we go. I made it. It's just a couple of minutes past 12. So we're going to worship. And as we're worshiping, if you need prayer, please come for prayer. That's why I stand up here, it's not to sing to you because, like my buddy said, I don't sing so good. Let's all stand together. Yes. Father, physical pain. Father, you said in your word that if we ask, you'd respond. Father, I speak healing into her body right now. That, Father, she will feel the difference now, even now, as we pray. Father, as you begin to touch the bone and the ligament, the things that are out of place, whatever it is, Father. I pray for healing and complete healing, not just a temporary healing so that she rests tonight. We're talking about complete healing. healing and we're going to believe it and we're going to give you the praise and you the glory, Father because you are God Father, we pray for him I don't know what's going on but Father we're concerned about his heart his soul, his life Father, we ask that you protect him and that somebody there in that place will minister to him in Jesus' name we pray can we share a prayer for Jean for For Jean, his wife passed away Heavenly Father you know the hearts that are broken because Jean has gone home to be with you Father, we can't do anything to bring her back we can pray for her husband Father, that he will have peace and strength and find solace in the fact that she is with you Father, we pray for him we ask you to heal him, to restore his faith in God. And Father, that Terry will bring the living word into that house. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome, brother. Help you. Father, you hear me, my hearts cry Father there's so much in the past there was so much pain and so much devastation that Father it's hard to forgive but you have forgiven Jason you spread your arms on a cross and you said take me so that Jason can live so that Jason can live help Jason to be the same to be a body of Christ that he truly can forgive and Father even to forget the things that have been done the pains that have been inflicted and see the love the love Father freely you've given to Jason and freely he will give all that you have done Father strengthen this heart strengthen it help him to see the grace and love. In Since Jesus' name. I never Amen. Yes, Father, we worship your holy name. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you once again that you've given me the opportunity to stand before these precious people and to bring your word, Father. I pray that it goes forth into the community that people will talk about the things they've heard in church and and maybe pick up the phone and call someone and say, I'm going to forgive you because because I've been forgiven and I don't deserve it. But Jesus died for me and I want to forgive you too. Father, bless this congregation. Bless them as they go. Protect them, keep them, and bring them back here again next week. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you, folks. Okay. So good to have you here. Uh, so I need another that. point on that. Yes. Wow. I'm in a place where if I were to ignore the instructions I have, my medication, my diet, I'm going to be this. No. And, and some of the people who come home and uh, uh, take their own lives, they'll they realize that i they're leaving, yeah, it's changing. Amen. Thank you. I Thank, you. Absolutely. Thank you. I just love you. I just love you. I just love you. I just love you. So is there anything that you can do as far as to help? Is, well, is it or Like when I, I sleep. Sleep. At night I did. I spat. But I'm just, you know... The medical declined yeah. that, oh man. You just That's keep so praising God yeah. Yeah. that you are Him. Another I another I have another Do okay. <laughs> you? Okay. Thank you.